welcome to the Queen's Church Sermon Podcast. Our church is being built on two vision statements. Jesus is our passion and love is our mission. We hope this message leads you to Jesus and that next week you'll join us in person to experience God's love through this local church. You can follow us online at qns.church. Hey church, happy Sunday. Thank you so much to the worship team. How great was it to see Angela back uh, leading us in worship again alongside the team. Thank you so much, Angela, for helping out. Uh, Church, open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. We are going to begin today a brand new series that I am so excited about. The series is called Fearless, and we're going to be talking over the next eight weeks about how we can live fearlessly in a time when fear is all around us. Just watch the news, just scroll through social media. You will be told to be scared, but we are here to declare to you from God's word today and every single Sunday during this series that your future is secure, that you can live fearlessly because of Jesus. So let's open up to Daniel chapter one today. Um, When you get to Daniel chapter one, just drop an I've got it in the chat. I've got it because I had a ribbon telling me where to go. When you're there, say, I've got it in the chat. And while you're going there, let me ask you some questions. The first one is this. Have you ever felt like an exile? You know, like you didn't belong. Maybe you were the new kid at school. Maybe you were the new kid at a new school in a new city. I've been there before. Um, Maybe it seemed like everyone else has their routines. They have their cliques. They have their crews. And you are just on the outside looking in like an exile. To some degree, I think we all know this feeling. Some of us more than others, though. You know, if you immigrated to America from another country, you're certainly familiar with this to a greater degree than someone like me. Whether you came to uh, escape an oppressive um, government or just to seek a better life, your experience is unique from mine in that you've experienced life in two different realities. Throughout the history of our country, many African-Americans have described their experience similar to this concept. The great black civil rights leader of the late 1800s, W.E.B. Du Bois, wrote about what he referred to as the double consciousness. This is what he says. The history of the American Negro is the history of this strife, this longing to attain self-conscious manhood, to merge his double self into a better and truer self. In this merging, he wishes neither of the older selves to be lost. He does not wish to Africanize America, for America has too much to teach the world and Africa. He does not wish to bleach his Negro blood in a flood of white Americanism, for he believes, foolishly perhaps, but fervently, that Negro blood has yet a message for the world. He simply wishes to make it possible for a man to be both a Negro and an American without being cursed and spit upon by his fellows, without losing the opportunity of self-development. Isn't it strange that those words written 120 or 130 years ago ring true still today in many ways in our country. But you see, what, what Du Bois had, had in this writing was this tension in his soul about his identity. 
His identity was tied up in in being part of this country, wanting to influence the culture versus being controlled by it and more. And these are the ideas and the concepts that Daniel deals with in, in some detail in this Old Testament book that we're about to look at. This is the book we turn our attention to today, but we understand that, that we don't do so without understanding a little bit about where Daniel is coming from. Some of us in different degrees from others, whether it's uh, because you were the new kid out of school like me, or you've immigrated to this country, or you've always felt this tension between these two people that live inside you, this identity crisis that you had. So let's read in Daniel chapter 1, and in this series we will see that God has made a way for you and me, his people, to live under extreme circumstances, inside great amounts of tension, even when those circumstances are outside our control, you are are given the gift by God to, to live with joy and with hope and with confidence that in him, your future is secure. Daniel chapter 1, We're actually going to read this entire chapter. So get the text out. If you didn't get it out before, you thought I was just going to read one verse, get it out now and listen to the account of the people who are in exile. God's chosen people is the Israelites, some of them taken from their homeland in a new country. And Daniel writes this. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned these a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Not my kind of guys. Then... Let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. At the end of 10 days, guess what? It was seen that they were in better appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables only. 
As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all of the magicians and enchanters that were in his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Let's pray. God, we, we are thankful that you give favor to your people. We are thankful for Jesus in whom we find life and find it more abundantly. God, would your Holy Spirit teach us from your word today so that what we hear would be made manifest in what we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, Daniel and his crew lived fearlessly in this foreign land. Today we want to focus our attention on the idea of citizenship, especially as it pertains to living fearlessly. The, the question we have before us today is this. How can Christians, whose citizenship we learn from the New Testament lies in heaven, live fearlessly as citizens of a foreign land, our current world? Uh, let's look at three things that we see here that Daniel does as, as a uh, citizen of Jerusalem living in exile in Babylon. The first thing we see in verses 2 and 9 is that Daniel knows his king. Daniel knows his king. Look at verse 2. The Lord gives Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, and he does so with some of the vessels and some of the things of the house of God, some of the treasury. And there's some Hebrew word beauty being tied throughout these, um, these texts that you, you may, we may not catch in English, but let me just tell you a little bit about it. So the, the first half of Daniel was written in Hebrew, and um, in English, sometimes the words are translated differently, but listen to what happens in verse 2, right? The Hebrew word for the Lord gave King Jehoiakim into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar is the same word that is used over in verse 9. Look at what it looks like in verse 9. So in verse 2, we have the Lord giving Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, his tribe, into an enemy's hand. But then in verse 9, God gives, the same exact word is used, God gives Daniel, what? Favor and compassion in the sight of the chief eunuchs. So just as the Lord gave Jehoiakim, because of his disobedience and the disobedience of God's people, over to the hand of the enemy, God gives Daniel favor and compassion from the chief eunuch. Even when God has given us over to our enemies, he is with us. Even when Daniel, in these circumstances that are completely out of his control, he has literally been taken from his homeland and everything he knows. He's been placed in a foreign land, and the Bible teaches clearly, like, this is not on accident. This is not something that God... Uh, forgot about the people of Israel, and it just happened when he was sleeping. This is something God did on purpose. And the same way that God purposed for them to leave their homeland, he purposed for Daniel to have favor in this new place. 
You see, Daniel knew that his allegiance was to God and to God alone. And when that allegiance was called into question, there was only one choice for him. That choice was to follow God. And the reason is because he knew his king. And so I want to ask you, before we move on, do you know your king? In thinking about living fearlessly, maybe you are saying, uh, a Pastor, I don't know if you've watched the news lately or if you've been outside lately, but there's a lot to fear. I mean, there's a pandemic taking over um, all of the world still, even though we in New York have been uh, relatively safe from it in the last few months. Um, there's a new uh, election coming up in a few months where our, our country is as divided as it ever has been. And who knows what's going to happen with the stock market or with wars or with our economy um, if one or the other is elected. There's a lot to fear right now. And you know what's uh, common that we have in common with Daniel is that none of those things are inside your control. <laughs> none of those things you have control over. But let me tell you something you do have control over. You have control over whether or not you know which king you serve. And just like you may feel like God has given you into the hand of your enemies, like he gave Daniel and others into the hand of their enemy, I want to remind you that even when God has given you over to your enemies, he is with you. So we have to know our king. We don't only have to know our king, though. Look, uh, Daniel didn't only know his king. Look, look at what else he knew. He knew his identity well. Let's look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, The chief of the eunuchs gave them names. All right, Daniel, he calls Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he calls Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. You may know this from your time in Sunday school if you grew up in church. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They're going to come up later. Somebody throw some emojis into the chat that would hint to us what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are famous for. Anybody, anybody got it? So we're going to look at that in a few weeks. But right now, they enter the story as different names, right? They enter as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You know what Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah all have in common? Their names are honoring to the Lord their God. They were given names by their parents in Judah that would illustrate their religious beliefs. They were named so that people knew whose they were. Their identity was tied to their relationship with God by their name. Their Hebrew names honored God, and their new names, though, did not. So we see what's happening here is that Nebuchadnezzar is trying to strip these followers of God of their identity and replace it with a new identity. We know that because these new names are honoring to Babylonian idols. So most likely what happened was Nebuchadnezzar believed that um, naming these Babylonian um, captives after their own idols would be honoring to their gods, much in, in the way that a sacrifice would. And what Daniel is saying here, when we get down into verse 8, when he resolves that he would not defile himself with the king's food, is that you can call me by a different name, but you cannot change who I am. The foreign land, it, it may treat me differently. It may change my name but it's not going to change who I am. My earthly king, yeah, it may require uh, allegiances in certain ways, like I accept and receive this name, but remember that I answer to the Almighty God who is above these temporary 
earthly kings. These are things that Daniel is saying when he resolves in his heart that he will not defile the Lord his God. And again, we see this Hebrew word beauty in the text. So just as the chief eunuch gave or set his mind on new names in verse 7, in verse 8, the same word is used when Daniel sets his mind or resolves that he would not defile himself. So see, what Daniel's doing as he writes this, uh, this text is he's poetically showing that every time God does something for one purpose, he's making sure that it's established that he is the one true king on the other purpose. When God's enemy decides that it will be given new, that these people will be given new names, Daniel decides in the same way that that new name is not going to change who he is. Just like before, we saw that just as the Lord gave King Jehoiakim into Nebuchadnezzar, the Lord gave favor and compassion to Daniel. God's way will prevail, and God's going to make sure it does through this story. You see, Daniel shows here an incredible amount of resolve by setting his mind on holiness when the world has set itself to change his image. This may sound familiar to you from the New Testament when Paul says in Romans, therefore, do not be what? Conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds that by testing you may discern what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, Daniel knew this truth thousands of years before Paul even penned it in the New Testament. And that truth was that when tests come, and I seek the Lord instead of seeking the ways of the world, I will receive from God wisdom and discernment so that I can follow the path that God has laid out for me, the good way. Some of us refer to that as God's will. Some, you may have heard it said, destiny. The point is that God has a plan for your life. Before he created you in your mother's womb, he knew you, and he has set you for his good purposes. Daniel is the same way. But you see, he had a decision to make. When, when the chief of the eunuchs come to him and says, Daniel, this way that was set before you, before you were created in your mother's womb, I know he didn't say all this, but you can see where it's going. You have a new name now. You are now Prince of Baal. That's his new name. Belshazzar. You are the prince of our God now. And Daniel, knowing that this is an opportunity for him to be conformed to the world, instead seeks the Lord and goes back to his training, his teaching in Judah, and he says, I will resolve in my heart that I will not be defiled by this. This name change cannot change my identity. Church, maintaining our identity is crucial in the exile. Obviously, Daniel had spent significant time building his soul up so that in a moment of crisis, he was ready for the test that's before him. He knew what to do because he was trained to trust the voice of God over the voice of the chief of eunuchs or the voice of the king on earth. And equally as important, he knew the difference of those two voices. He could discern the difference between the voice of God and the voice of the earthly king. So I want to ask you today, what are you doing privately and corporately to train your soul for the tests that await your future? 
What are the steps that you're taking in your personal devotional life or in your life in this community at Queen's Church? What are you doing to train your soul like Daniel spent time in his early years? Uh, Most scholars believe Daniel was around 20 years old when he is taken captive. So we're not talking about someone who had decades and decades of experience and training in the Word of God. He's basically a teenager. But he had trained his soul. He was ready for this moment. And, you know, as Americans, our names are called into question all over the cultural spectrum, right? A name is not just what's given to you at birth. Names are placed on you in many different arenas. Uh, You may be defined, or you may even define yourself by some of these names, Republican or Democrat. That one's going to be big in the next few months. Or Libertarian or Independent. Uh, White or Black. Are you Latino? Are you pro-life? Are you pro-choice? Are you poor? Are you wealthy? Are you a teacher? Are you a doctor? You can see we put things in front of our names all the time, and sometimes the danger is that we can take the identity of those names over the identity that God has given us. And the question that we need to wrestle with is what names are we allowing to compromise our identity as Christians? So what name have you been given by the world? Right, we see it's not a danger necessarily to be given a new name. It doesn't show here in in the text. It's nowhere found that Daniel rejects his new name, even though it's honoring to this foreign God. He says, okay, you can call me whatever name you want, but you cannot change who I am. You see, Daniel knew his identity, and he resolved to not let a new name given to him by an earthly king change his identity given to him by an eternal God. Each of these titles, these names that we are given, that we take on, some voluntarily, some we're given to reluctantly, each of them comes with a certain amount of allegiance to a cause, to a movement, to an ideology, or even to a religious construct. And the question that we must ask ourselves, church, in this time where the world is trying to fear us into compromising and making decisions based on fear, is whose name will I go by in my soul? Am I going to allow these names given to me or taken on by me of the world co-opt who I am in Jesus? Daniel doesn't only, though, know his king. He doesn't only know his identity. This one is huge for you who are listening to the sermon, watching the sermon, and you feel tired. Maybe you've, you've heard everything so far. You're like, nope, I'm good. I know my king. Trust me, I learned the hard way. I know that God is my king. Jesus sits on the throne and I follow him. Oh, listen, pastor, I've been given names. Trust me, I know my identity. I've wrestled with that and I'm good to go. Then comes the hard part, right? Daniel didn't just know his name and knew his, knew his king and knew his identity. Daniel stayed the course. And staying the course means active obedience to the call of God in your life. Daniel did not just sit back hopelessly and wait for the three years of training, which is about how long this took, most people believe. He wasn't just sitting back, I'm just going to wait for this training to be done, I'll let it pass, because I don't want to get killed, I don't want to get persecuted, I just want to not make waves, right? We have any people out there who are just up for not making waves? I I don't want to try to do anything crazy, I I, I don't know if God's calling me anything good or not, I'm kind of scared to ask him, I'm just going to coast. Daniel didn't do that. Instead, he in 
implemented a strategy that we can see propelled him to success in the midst of exile. Here was his strategy really quickly. His strategy was this. First, resistance. He resolved that he would not defile himself. Taken from his home, stripped of his name, made to eat forbidden food by religious practice, I'm going to resist. I will resist the things of the world. He also has decisiveness. He stays the course because he decided in his heart. He remembered the teaching of his youth. Resistance, decisiveness, and he had prudence. This is one that's not talked about often. In fact, you may have to go Google that word prudence. What does that even mean? Prudence is when we resolve in our heart to do something. Prudence is when there's no one around to keep me accountable. Will I continue to stay the course? People don't know what's going on in my heart. Will I allow it to be co-opted by the world? Nobody, nobody knows. Everybody thinks my identity is secure, but the question is, with prudence, is it really secure? Are you guarding it well? He had gentleness. In verse 8, instead of a display of heroism, I'm going to stand for what I believe in the court. He quietly walks over to the eunuch and says, could we please do something different? Church, don't underestimate the power of gentleness when the aim is to stay the course in the midst of a world that sometimes feels like it's attacking you. Don't underestimate the power of you being able to lower the attacks that the world throws at you when you are gentle and lowly of heart. It's the way of Jesus. He also has perseverance. He's shot down by his first supervisor, as you saw in verse 11. He decides to go to the chief that's assigned over this supervisor. So he doesn't stop the first time he's told no. He didn't get discouraged. He went, and he had wisdom when he went. You ever feel like you're just um, doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same result? You've heard the layman's definition of insanity is that, right? Do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Daniel knew that. He wasn't insane. In fact, he was wise and discerning, not just for his age, but for anyone. And he goes to this second chief, and he says, my approach to ask a question was met with some resistance. So this time, how about I offer a solution? He says, hey, I mean, just put us up against these other guys. Listen, if, if they look better than we do after 10 days, then we'll give up. You see, Daniel knew what was going to happen. He had faith that God was going to be in control of this, so he changed his approach, and he proposed a competition. He had wisdom. And finally, so he had resistance, decisiveness. He had prudence and gentleness. He had perseverance. He had wisdom. And finally, in verse 12, we see this. To stay the course, sometimes it takes a little bit of inspiration. Daniel turns around, and who's with him? Oh, good old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Daniel, stepping up and standing for what he believes, using this method to stay the course, turns around and he sees that there are three with him. There's four young men out of the many that were brought to Babylon who decide together we will be inspired by one another to walk this course and we will not do it alone. You see, the problem isn't taking this text, this, this beautiful story um, with these three great points. The problem isn't just taking them and attempting to live by it. We know that that will certainly fail. 
we know what it feels like to be exiles, right? Whether it's immigrant status, being a minority in America, or, or just something as simple as um, feeling not at home where you are in your work or at your school. And it would be a problem if we said, look at Daniel, he did such a great job. Let's, let's try to follow him and ignore the glaring reality of the reason that he wrote this. Church, the reason Daniel penned this wasn't for us to make him a hero. Remember, he had a chance to be a hero, and he chose to go a different way. The reason he wrote this was to show people that God's way will always supersede man's way, even if that man is the, quote, God king himself, Nebuchadnezzar. That's who he declared to be, a king, a king of all kings. And God says, sit tight people, follow me, and I will show that my way is always sovereign over the way of the people whom I created in the first place. I have authority in this realm and in every realm, as we'll see next week, a little teaser for the dream sermon coming up next week. So then what do we do with it? If it's not meant to be a roadmap of how we necessarily navigate being in exile, then church, we look, to, we look to who Daniel was pointing to. We look to Jesus. You see, Jesus became an exile willingly. He submitted to his father because he understood his role in the Godhead. And even though he was tempted by Satan, do you remember when he was tempted? Satan tempted him to misunderstand his identity. <laughs> he had, he, 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 Satan tempted him to say, to have Jesus think, you know what? You're really the one in control. This God, the Father, he's not it. I could give you control of, of all of this. When the enemy came to Jesus, though, Jesus weak and hungry, remember that? Sometimes the enemy comes at you most when you're weak and hungry and vulnerable, like Jesus was in the wilderness after he had fasted for 40 days. But when he does, he pressures Jesus to rethink his future and question his Father. But Jesus stayed the course. He trusted that his future was secure in God the Father, and he preserved, uh, persevered even to the point of death on the cross. And we cannot look to Daniel and expect to use this court tale scripture right here as a handbook for Christian living. But we can recognize that this story points to Jesus. Jesus, who knew his king, Jesus, who rested in his identity, and Jesus, who stayed the course. In fact, it is because Jesus stayed the course that you and I have hope to fellowship with the king. Our sin has broken that union with the king, but Jesus restores it through salvation, by grace, through faith in him alone. So trust in Jesus today and find that your future is secure, not in your, in your fancy methods, but in knowing who your king is, King Jesus, in knowing who your identity is. You are a person created in the image of God for good works, for his glory, and for the good of others. And when we know our identity looking to our king, we can then stay the course because Jesus said before he left the earth, I will send you one 
And this one, when he indwells you, will be better for you than if I were here walking the earth with you. This Holy Spirit will give you power. And when you receive his power, you will be my witnesses. We talked about that just a few weeks ago. That when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, we become his witnesses, even in a land filled with exile, not filled with fear, but filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, your future is secure today because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Rest in him. And if you have never trusted in Jesus before, I want to invite you right now to surrender to him. Just lay down your defenses. If you have attacks toward Jesus, lay those down and say, Jesus, I trust you. I see clearly now that you have overcome sin and death and you have given me life, life abundant. Father, forgive me because of Jesus and I trust in you. Church, saying those words is not some magic potion that sprinkles salvation on you. Saying those words is the ancient creed of salvation. This is how Jesus himself said to follow him. That if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive them and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So church today, trust in him. And some next steps for those of us who are putting our trust in Jesus uh, first one is really simple. I invite you, I invite us as a church family to jump into Daniel together. Go back this week, set a date right now. You can type it in the chat if you want some accountability. What day will you do this? I'm going to go read Daniel chapter 1 to recap this week and preview next week. I'm going to read Daniel chapter 2. Which day can you do that? Put it in the chat right there. Monday, Tuesday, get it done early, right? Which day can you read Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 2? Let's jump into Daniel so that when we're going through this text together on this sermon, it's not just a touch-and-go situation. The other next step is for, for you and me to reflect on our citizenship. What are you proclaiming right now? What names are defining you that are compromising your identity? I invite you today to give those up to God. Look to Daniel. Look at what he said. He didn't say, I, I, re I rebuke those names in the name of Jesus. He said, you can call me whatever you want. You can't change my identity. Church, when Jesus was ridiculed, when he was mocked, he said, you can call me whatever you want, but you can't change who I am. And through the power of the Spirit, you can say the same. So re reflect on your citizenship. In fact, we're going to sing a couple of songs right now, and I invite you to do that. I know that church at home is tough, right? Because you could just easily sign off of this stream. Um, your kids are going nuts. Or if you're sitting there by yourself, you're dozing off already because I preached past 25 minutes. But listen, church, here's the point. Take some time right now during these songs. Worship the Lord and reflect on your citizenship. Where am I compromising my identity because I'm choosing the names of the world instead of the identity that Jesus has given me? And give those things up to God today. As we go through this journey in the book of Daniel, I am praying for us as a church family that we would be a beacon of hope in our neighborhood that we would not be people who are 
fearful of what is to come, but we are people who live in the security of the future with Jesus Christ. And that church, as we are filled with that power and that security, we would be his witnesses. Here in New York, here in the United States, and yes, even to the uttermost parts of the world. Let's pray. God, I am thankful for your word, thankful that it has authority to speak to us clearly, something that was written thousands of years ago and your Holy Spirit indwells it and makes it come alive in our life today. We are, I'm grateful for that and I pray that, Lord, you would inspire us to not be conformed to the image of this world, but that we would be transformed by you and by your Son. We love you and we praise you. We put our hope and our faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen.